0: Hey, welcome to Being Creative. Uh, my name is Rick Leaf. As you know, I am the host of this show where I talk to myself about lots of things because I find me super interesting. <laughs> uh, always, always interesting. Oh, well, what are we talking about? We're going to talk today about, um, of all things, creativity. In fact, the creativity takes energy, you know, a specific type of energy. And to operate, if you are so interested, at the highest levels for days, weeks, months, or years, you simply can't allow the distractions of life to drain your creative energy. And yet... I'm going to argue today that that is almost all of what social media does, and it's going to be the launching point for today's conversation that I'm going to have with myself. <laughs> well, I should be fair. There have been reports that three, even at times, there have been gusts of up to four people uh, listening to these episodes. So if all three of you are listening, uh, let's get started. So for me every time I want to jump into the conversation of creativity I feel like I need to start with what it is that we're actually talking about because so many people go well being creative means being artistic and sometimes you know we are artistic when we're being creative but to me creativity is really about problem solving it's about bringing the you know your experience your education your talents your gifts and abilities to bear on a situation, on a problem more often than not, and how you are going to be creative and solve that. And so if we're talking about that, creative uh, creativity sort of as, as problem solving or, or ways of tackling things you want to do in your life, one of the things I find the most fascinating um, as a creative person, and as a career creative, if you, if I could put it that way, um, is that some people, they just want to talk about problems. They don't want solutions. And I've kind of racked my brain over the years, like, why in the world would someone be content to just identify, here's a problem, here's a challenge, and actually not be willing to consider um, potential solutions. Why would somebody do that? And I'm, for a long, uh, for a lot of people, I think it's because they know that solutions take work. Solutions take commitment. They take persistence. Uh, Solutions are, are often uncomfortable. We're in a situation right here. Here's the problem. I could just complain about the problem. I could just tell you about the problem. I could commiserate about the problem. We could banter back and forth about the problem. But and nobody, there's no downside to that in the sense of nobody's expecting anything to come out of complaining. Nobody's expecting, you're just commiserating and you're just saying, well, here's this problem. You know, whether that's personal or professional or whatever, uh, that's bonkers to me. I just don't get it. I don't get that, uh, except I, I, ne- I should say I didn't get it until I realized, yeah, that takes nothing. There's no risk. There's no vulnerability. Uh, anybody, You can complain about the weather. You can complain about your situation or your job or anything else. But to like offer a solution, a possible solution, well, now you're kind of putting yourself out there because what if that solution doesn't work? what if that solution's uncomfortable what if for a brief moment in time the solution uh or taking initial steps towards a solution actually aggravate uh the problem to some degree so that everybody's forced to um uh, you know change what's creating that problem well now there is risk and i think that's got to be why so many people are just happy to be um yeah feeling powerless feeling like i can't do anything what they mean is i don't want to do anything because doing something might make this uncomfortable in a different way and it might may put put my role or or whatever in this situation in a different way um so i'm just comfortable being here complaining (laughs) so when it comes to uh, creativity as um, problem solving energy uh definitely the environment that you find yourself in and that you create for yourself. It's vital to what happens to that creative energy that each one of us have that could provide solutions and uh, alternatives to this situation. Because if you feel powerless and you're gonna just surround yourself with that kind of whatever, um, feelings of, I can't do anything about this, that mental state. Mm-hmm does absolutely draw and drain the creative energy that you could have that would make you uh, more happy, that would make you more fulfilled, that would actually provide solutions to this. Um, and, and somebody said to me years ago, they're just like, how is it that um, they were they were identifying that we were similar? Uh, and they were like, how is it that you are um, willing to have all of these uh, uncomfortable conversations, whether it's uh, working in a collective uh, or whether it's living in community. Uh, Most of my life has been, a lot of it has been creative projects. Um, So there's lots of different people involved. Um, And then of course I live in a community house and have for for the last 10 years, but I've lived in community as our family. Uh, for for years uh, in different iterations. And so they were like, how is it that you're willing to have these uncomfortable conversations when, you know, like, don't they suck? Doesn't it suck to do that? And I'm like, of course it sucks in the moment. And of course it's stressful and you're nervous. But I'm like, if you don't believe that what is on the other side of this uncomfortable conversation could be infinitely better, that this toxic situation could be resolved and you could find yourself actually loving this situation, loving working with this person, loving touring with this person or living under the same house with this person. If you can't imagine how it could be better, then yeah, I'm sure you talk yourself out of it. But I hold on to the idea that, uh, What, you know, as uncomfortable as this might be, and it might be a series of uncomfortable conversations or days or weeks or whatever, my belief that on the other side of that, and it bears um, telling that I've come to this conclusion through my experiences over the years that you have this kind of really uncomfortable moment, and it's worth it because of what is on the other side. And the only way to get to the other side is to have that conversation in the first place. So I've been very, um, you know, I think uh, in my younger years, just very extroverted as a person and as a personality. The older I've gotten, um, the more kind of guarded I have become about the circle that I, um, the center where I come from, because I realize, you know, in a toxic place, um, I can't be my best. I'm spending, there's just, things are draining too much of my energy, um, mentally, um, whatever the soul is, even physically, you just feel worn out and you can't be your creative best. So uh, that's been a fascinating kind of thing to, to, Realize where I draw the boundaries and who who I have to keep uh, on the other side of that boundary just very um, um, limited access to the core of who I am and where i 'm coming from. one of the other things um, beyond the interpersonal aspect was the in the kind of the cultural um, the culture that we we participate in and and let ourselves be part of now, uh, I said you know being creative doesn't mean being an artist and I, and I you you understand what I mean. Actually, I should just say I understand what I mean because I'm the only person here having this conversation, and I think the three of you could probably keep up. So anyway. <laughs> I really love this idea that nobody's listening and it doesn't matter and I don't have to explain anything to anybody it's just like I'm just sitting here talking to myself having a great time um the the aspect of um art that was what I was gonna say um there's been lots of ways that people have described what art is and I think the one that I like the best is uh art is a conversation With the artist and what I love about that um is you know when I think about if you hear a director that you really like has a new movie out it's like what are they writing you know uh Jordan Peele he's got all these movies that keeps coming out and every time you hear there's a new Jordan Peele movie when I hear that I'm like oh I want to see what he's thinking I want to see what he's come up with now Um, could be like that with with authors with uh, musicians you're just like you want to go you know listen to the album what are they what have they been thinking what have they been going through what are they writing about right now you you're having this conversation with the artist through their art I love that I think about that all the time when I think about social media as far as and I'm gonna I'm gonna include entrepreneurs um, along with artists we probably all bought into this idea that social media was going to give us this really powerful tool to connect with our audience, with our clients and customers. And, and it's really going to be help us build our brand or our identity and help us sell our products and our services or whatever it happens to be. And thinking about it in the context of art as a conversation with the artist, what, is, what do most artists... And even entrepreneurs, um, what do they use social media for? It's usually about them, about them on stage, under the lights, looking cool. It's uh, them, you know, at a photo shoot. It's them on stage. It's, it's them. It's not the art. It's, uh, it's kind of like, the, I, I, I think about it as in, you know, if you've ever been to a party host party or some kind of a you know meet and greet and you get there and and you you're running across all kinds of fascinating people and and then you meet this one person that's just like me 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 they're like then i did this and then i did this and here's a picture You would know, pull out their phone and they're showing you pictures of themselves like in cabo or something on the beach or here's me in my you know speedo here's me on my motorbike and you're just like do you want to hang out with that person Ever do any of us ever want to hang out with that person? The me, me, me person. Of course we don't. Uh, Because we all want to be part of the story of our own lives. And we're not sitting here wanting to be spectators uh, unless you go to church. (laughs) Then you're probably happy to just sit silently in the pew. Oh, man, I can't. I can't talk about anything without throwing religion under the bus. I'll work on that later. anyways (laughs) social media it's why i think it's such a drain and why ultimately it is uh just drains the creative energy from artists and entrepreneurs which is the last thing we need doesn't um move any of our values uh forward in any way doesn't include uh or invite people into a conversation with our art because we don't know how to do that. We just are posting pictures about ourselves looking cool. Uh, so, with that in mind, there was a, it was a, oh, a year or two ago. I'm just going to pull it up here so I don't get it wrong. I read this article, and uh, I think maybe this was the one. The title is Facebook banned the creator of quote, unfollow everything, unquote, and sent him a cease and desist. Letter, the creator of the popular browser extension says that the social media giant badgered him to shut it down. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, to uh, Lewis Barkley says he created Unfollow Everything to help people enjoy Facebook more, not less. His extension, which no longer exists, allowed users to automatically unfollow everyone on their Facebook account, thus eliminating the news feed feature one of the more addictive parts of the company's product. That's all I need. I read that and I was like, what? And this is the thing that I find so fascinating right now. This conversation comes up everywhere all the time. It doesn't matter. uh, I guess it's this, whatever. Let's call it the confirmation bias. There are people who just absolutely believe they're not being manipulated in any way by rage bait, click bait, the culture of, uh, driven by algorithms, you know, uh, Chalmuth Palapatea, I think is how you say his name, was one of the executives back in the day in Facebook as in its, you know, um, Ascension in its days of ascension, as it was really figuring stuff out and becoming such a global player. He's done TED Talks and all sorts of things about the fact that social media, Facebook in particular, isn't broken, that it's working exactly the way they intended, only it's working better than they ever anticipated. And he often will just say social media is tearing apart the social fabric of civilization. So he regrets being part of everything else. But they did studies, you know, uh, inspirational quotes and and stories and uh, cute little things like kitties and puppies and how-to videos. Nothing uh, drove engagement in viewers more than rage, more than getting people upset about stuff. And the thing about this whole algorithm-driven experience is that it doesn't care what you believe. It doesn't care how crazy, how sane, whether it's left, right, or or what, it doesn't care. It's the, it will figure out what makes you mad, and it will just start pumping that crap into your newsfeed. And I'll admit, you know, as I'm trying to get a handle on this culture that I've surround myself with and the center and core of who i am and where i'm coming from and started to identify man this is drawing you know draining me this is draining me this is distracting me i started just like and facebook whenever i adopted it i don't know 2005 or 6 whatever it's been going on for about 15 years it's been part of my life and i was like uh as much as i wanted to say you know i'm you know i'm not going to go there whatever there's only two things: I do lots of work in schools, and lots of schools still use Facebook to connect with their community. And so I wanted to be able to uh, see that, to be part of that when I'm in the school, if they're sharing stuff that I've done with the school or, or whatever. Uh, I wanted to be able to be part of that and marketplace, uh, like looking for, you know stuff online. But you know, so I want to keep it. But that's really where I want to relegate it to in terms of my life. And uh, like anyone, you sit there, it's been this 15-year pattern of uh, what you do when you start scrolling through things, when you're bored, when you're in an idle moment, you could just be sitting there in the in the tranquility of your own mind, and you pull your phone out in the grocery store and you sit there for three minutes and you scroll through Facebook. And I hated that I would still give into that uh, habitual pattern. So then I read this thing about Lewis Barkley made this um, app which would ban, like which would unfollow everybody. So let's say at the time I had well over a thousand people that I connected with on Facebook because when I adopted Facebook and got into it that was when it was just taking off and I was touring all the time and you'd get back to the hotel room after a show and you'd have like 20 new uh, friend uh, requests from people that were in the audience and it felt I told myself oh this is gonna be a powerful way to like develop a fan base and really connect with my audience and blah 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 and really it was just like I ended up with a thousand fifteen hundred I don't know what it was um, people, most of whom I've never met, didn't know, was not making, it was not a conversation about the art. It was always about me just looking cool. And, uh, so then I was like, what are you saying that, that if I unfollowed these people and, and the idea was that in this, this Lewis Barkley was saying, well, people aren't going to want to go through person by person and unfollow everybody. Uh, so he made this app that would just do it with a click of a button. But I was like, whoa, you can do that? You know, Facebook had banned him and his app wasn't, doesn't exist anymore. And so I went there and I was just like, it's daunting. You got, you know, 1,500, 1,200 people. And you're just like, well, I should just start with the people I don't know. I should just like delete them. So I just committed myself to just going through (laughs) facebook and just deleting deleted a thousand plus people that was step one and then i'm left with you know 100 200 i don't know mostly now we've got family and friends and people i work with so i you know i've got it as low as i can but i'm like now i have to go through and unfollow everyone that means my best friends my business partner my kids my partner like it's unfollowing everyone and once i unfollowed everyone yeah there's nothing for the algorithm to use to pump any news into your feed so every time if i did have those moments of habitual weakness and i'm like oh i'll just pull my phone on scroll through facebook i would open it up and it would be like uh, there's nothing here. Looks like something's broken or it, I do not remember what it says. It looks like, wait, let me just pull it up here. What does it say? Because I think it's so funny every time it says it to me. Um, so nothing comes up. Oh, you're all caught up. You've seen all the new posts from your friends, groups and pages. <laughs> and there's literally nothing there. You can't scroll anywhere and get any more information. So that was a a problem-solving thing that I came up with. I could just say, oh, I wish I didn't like scroll and waste my time and just complain about it. Or I could, like, read that article about Lewis Barkley, say, oh, God, that would have been great if I could have just, with one click of a button. But I managed to take that tiny little step, which has had a huge impact, to be able to uh, not like anytime I was like by now, I know that there's nothing there. It's boring. There's no, not even a point of opening it up. I can still open it up. I can still, if I want to go check in on the hundred or 200 people that I'm still connected with, if I want to see what they're going on, but I have to be very intentional about that. And that usually comes with a reason to look them up. Uh, or I can go to marketplace anytime I want. So, or schools. I can easily find the schools that I'm still connected to. So there, that was my deal. Twitter, oh my God, what a toxic soup that is. I just like deleted that off from my phone. And uh if I yeah, it's the less you have you ever heard that expression, the less you do something, the less important it seems. Oh, Twitter is that, man. Like that is just like, I don't even know. If I did the other day, I um I use somebody on Unsplash. I don't know if you ever go to unsplash.com. It's like um, photos that uh, different photographers will let you use um, royalty free or whatever. So sometimes if I'm putting together a little, oh, I don't know, some kind of a brochure or something and and I want a picture of dodgeball, you know, I could go search for that. Maybe there's a picture of dodgeball and I could use it. And then usually when you're downloading it so that you can use that image, it'll say, hey, you want to give a shout out to this photographer or whatever. And so... Um, the easiest way for me to do that is just click the Twitter share and then it just uh, tags them and says thanks to so-and-so for letting this image be used. And here's their kind of uh, way to find them. And I definitely always want to do that. So the other day I posted that just so to say thanks to this person. And, you know, Twitter opens up and just the one screen in front of me, I was on my computer, the one <laughs> screen that opens up, everybody's just like absolutely dumping on uh this um city councilor in the city that that I live in that had just he was just trying to like post some positive thing and everybody's just ripping on him and I, I as fast as I could close it down i'm just like, God, get that crap out of my life so that I can be positive and hopeful and engaged uh and focused on making the world a better place in whatever way my talents and abilities and experience and education allow me to be. So, man, I, I think there is literally no reason. Uh, I, In fact, I remember many years ago, I remember um, I used to post like freaking every day on Facebook. It would be something. And I remember this one day, I don't know, I was busy or I was doing something and I wasn't going to get a post. And I remember thinking, what about all the people who... <laughs> what about all the people who are gonna go to my page looking to get through their day with what what did Rick think or or, or you know what has he got for us today and if and if I let him down how are they gonna make it through the day and then I remember thinking are you bonkers nobody cares nobody cares any more than this podcast so find the way to uh create a space for yourself like uh you could just say oh it sucks that facebook's everywhere and you can't get away from it or maybe you uh instead of just scrolling maybe you take your scrolling opportunity to start like whittling down the people who are involved or i also remember this guy who was a business guy I followed a few years ago and he he was talking to of course for entrepreneurs and business people but i think it's fair for anybody to be honest His point was every piece of content you create should add value to somebody's life. And I thought, man, no kidding, right on. So no more stupid pictures. Like if I wanted to show you, oh, I was on stage and I look really cool under this light. And it's like, does that add anything to your life? And, And by add anything to your life, I could just be like, did you chuckle? Did you smile? Did it make you think? Did it point you toward an article or an idea that might uh, make your life a little bit better or provide a solution to a problem that you might have? It could be anything. It could be really simple. But instead of just going, hey, here's me looking cool. uh, The minute I started like putting that requirement in my head for anything I was going to share, like I had a... A couple of weeks ago, I was in an airport. I had a a really long layover, and I'm just by myself. And I'm just like, "What am I gonna do?" Uh, and I just like, "Oh, I'm gonna do a photo shoot with myself in this airport and just kill time." And I'm just walking around and and uh, just trying to find different lights and trying to play with the camera on my phone and and try to do different things, just amusing myself and being creative, right? So I get a few photos and I'm like, okay, so now I got this, now what I'm gonna do with it. And it's like, I could have just posted three or four photos and just said, here's me in the airport trying to look cool. Actually, that would have been pretty funny. I should do that next time. But uh, I just like, just adding a just a line or two to try to make it a story like, oh, the striptease, the uh, the security striptease, that, that was revealing, or that was an experience. There's some stupid thing that I say just trying to share a picture like, hey, I'm in the airport uh, with a layover. And the last one was, you know, if you're bored, it's your fault. That was definitely a meme I saw many years ago. And I like the idea of just like, yeah, I'm totally by myself. I could be totally bored out of my mind or frustrated that I'm stuck in this airport for hours. Or I could just be like having fun, walking around being an idiot and super amusing myself, which is what I chose to do. And I just, you know, wanted to share that. So I think in this this world of trying to find solutions to the problems that face you, the problems in your life are different than the problems in mine. But I strongly encourage everybody I meet and have any opportunity to talk with to see yourself as an agent of change. You are not powerless You are not voiceless and hopeless and helpless in the situation that you're in. The solution that you may be looking for or that you maybe even know, you know, where what direction it lies, it is worth the uncomfortable making the situation now a bit worse if it's going to take you to where you actually want to go, where it's better, where things are better. And I hope you have... Um, experience with that happening so that, you know, in your moments of doubt and fear, you can look in the mirror and say to yourself, look, man, we've, we've been here before. We've done this before. And you know that if we get through that conversation, if we get through that, you know, deleting that social media app, or if we get past having to share our personal life for the validation of strangers, friends and strangers, so that we can make it through the day, um, fully distracted. Um, yeah. If we can get to that point where we're like, you know what? I have the ability to make some, in some small way, but measurable way, make my life better to make my mental state of mind, my heart, my soul, whatever, to to give it what it needs to be creative so that my life can be better. You know, I talking about the validation of friends and strangers. I have this ex- oh, man, <laughs> I've done this so much. I think maybe that's why I'm so passionate about this particular subject because I feel like I've I spent maybe 20 years of my life draining uh my creative energy through all of these different things. I remember I was living in Winnipeg many years ago and I was meeting some very, very interesting people, artists. And there was this one, uh, guy, he was a political cartoonist and he was an author and he was a painter and he was, uh, he was a neighbor. And we had these many different great, uh, um, he was really an interesting guy, really impactful in my life at that time. And, uh, with my group Tribe of One, we had gone to Kosovo as part of a um an initiative of the Foreign Affairs Department of Canada. It was for a, a pilot project for children in armed conflict. I'd written this pilot project to for Tribe of One to go. This was, you know, when NATO was bombing Serbia and uh that whole kind of region. And uh there was all, I remember seeing on the TV there was like a couple hundred thousand. Uh, refugees outside of Skopi, Macedonia. And uh, as the news reporters were like going, you know, in the camp, they're like, you know, among other things, you know, they showed all of these children. And there's like, there's nothing to do in this camp. There's no playgrounds, there's no soccer balls, there's no coloring books, there's no nothing for them to do. So not only is it this horrific event where, you know, you've lost, you've had to flee your country and, and maybe you've lost family members or whatever. Also, now you're stuck here for however long, just absolutely nothing to do. And so I had proposed to the government, let my band go and let us do like just concerts, some kind of performance every evening to give something that could happen. And during the day, we would do like music or uh, art or dance workshops with kids just something to do something creative and whatever and god bless the government they said yes but they took them so long to say yes that the war was over and everybody went back so they kind of tagged us into this uh united nations um cultural event uh hosted by vanessa redgrave uh and it was all of these hoo-hoos of sort of humanitarian art world. So Philip Glass was there and the Martha Graham Dance Company from New York and uh, Lebo uh, M or whatever his name was that wrote um, Circle Life from the Lion King. And there's all these different people, uh, our, ourselves, Tribe of One was there, and a fellow, king, two, two other groups, uh, well, the Men of the Deeps, which is a, a group of... Uh, Um, men's choir. They were all coal miners from Cape Breton and Bruce Coburn. That's where we met Bruce Coburn. And so um, we developed, you know, this, you know, friendship kind of art uh, in, in walking around uh, Kosovo and, and different things. And had met up with um, Bruce Coburn a couple times back in Canada while he was touring or I was touring, whatever. And so I had this idea. I was like, ah, I'd like to, Proposed to the government um, to go to Afghanistan, where Canadian troops were, and do that kind of, you know, go play for the troops. And uh, and I thought, you know what, they don't know who I am, they don't care who I am, but if maybe, uh, with this having met Bruce Coburn, and, and he's got this kind of history of being such a socially activist, uh, active artist, maybe I could approach him through his manager and maybe I could go with him, and then they did know him, and, and maybe that would be a way to make it happen, so I'm I'm walking down the street to this friend's house in Winnipeg, this guy who's been quite instrumental, and I bring up this idea, we sit down, and have a glass of wine, and I bring up this idea, I'm thinking about whatever, talking, you know, Bruce Comer, and see if he wants to go to Afghanistan, and this guy looks at me, and of course, I'm telling him all of this, because I hope he's going to say, oh my god, Rick, what a great idea, that's so amazing, yeah, you should absolutely do that, and, get the validation from this guy. Instead, he's like, that's the stupidest idea. Bruce Coyle isn't going to like, he doesn't want to like um, <laughs> support the military complex in this uh, war of aggression and, and BS and whatever. He's like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is a stupid idea. What? Six months later. I read in the paper, (laughs) Bruce Colbert went to Afghanistan to play for the troops. Now, I'm not mad at this guy, my neighbor, who poo-pooed the whole idea. I'm frustrated with myself because I realized, why was I doing that? Why did I bring that story up to him? I was looking for validation. I was giving my ideas to someone to say yay or nay or whatever who had nothing to do with it, even if he'd said yes, and you go, Rick, that's a great idea. What would I have done? Felt good for 30 seconds, a minute, and then walked home and said, yo, Bob thought that was a really cool idea and done nothing, which is what I did, nothing. And, uh, so I realized, you know, we want to share ideas. We want to share, um, looking good on stage or doing this thing, or I read this book or whatever simple things of our life. We want to share that with others. Why? For the validation that that we can get. And uh, most often, I think that's what social media really is relegated to for artists and entrepreneurs, just seeking validation from people who are probably not invested in any way in what it is that you're doing, because they're not your audience, they're not your clients. So it's just wasted effort, and wasted creative energy. And being creative takes a ton of both. So it's a gigantic waste. So I kind of got to the point where I'm just like, I just don't do it. Um, Not that I think, and, and to me, social media is just a tool. It's not it's fault if you would you know like a carpenter is not going to be mad at the tools if they choose the wrong tool on the job site uh for whatever task it is that they're at hand it's like you're not going to blame your hammer if you're trying to cut a board you know it's like your fault for not realizing what the tool was made for using it intelligently and correctly in the right place in the right time in the right way so the things that are in our life uh I guess that's just where I'm at. I don't care what you do, you know. The, the three of you, <laughs> the three of you, can just do whatever you want today. But I guess I'm throwing this out to the great cosmos, um, to say, "Hey, world, I have figured this out. I've figured out that there's you know last story." But man, in the last, okay. I'm going to ask the three of you a question. (laughs) Over and over again, I want to say for the last six months, I find myself in a situation where I'm kind of talking about this stuff. I will bring it up in a conversation. And the person will be like, yeah, yeah, I don't buy into any of that left and right stuff. Uh, I don't, we you know, I'm just totally like mounting. Oh, I know all about the algorithm. Yeah, I totally. I'm not, you know, motivated by that at all. I'm not like influenced by that at all. But the thing is, <clears throat> like, we know that if the air we breathe uh, is polluted, if the water we drink is polluted. If the soil that we're growing, our food that we're eating is toxic or polluted, we can't be healthy. And I think it just bears making a comparison that this online world that we all adopted, that we all bought into, whether it's social media or otherwise, it's toxic. It, it's not uh, neutral. Uh, and if we don't take distinct measures... Personal measure, something to take control over our responsibility and how we interact with it. It's going to drain us. It's going to deplete us. It's going to distract us. It's just the way it is. And when, and, and, and again, I don't care what you do or how you do it, but if you want to be creative and you, uh, creativity is a mindset. It's a lifestyle. I say this every single time. But it, it, and it is, and it produces an energy that either empowers, you know, resiliency and the confidence to face the challenges that life's throwing at us every day. And if it does that, that creates momentum. And every time we're faced with another challenge, it's not like starting from square one. It's not starting from a dead stop. You have some kind of momentum to roll into the next challenge, or you're trying to push a big boulder up the hill by yourself, you know, it's like your kind of choice, and I'm just happy, the more I have like, um, distanced myself from all of this, the, the more I realize nobody cares, uh, the more fun it is to sit down and just do a podcast like this, give myself a moment to think about it, to put it into words for myself and the three of you, so... I hope you enjoyed this little rant and conversation. Um, lots of room for, for two, two of you, even all three of you, if you wanted to leave a comment or ask a question. Um, <laughs> do that. But uh, in your doing, remember, man, we are capable of infinitely more than we give ourselves credit for on the average day. So don't make today an average day. And until next time.